Well, more than anything, I'm happy to be back. We're back. We're back, Me too. baby. We're back. You know what? You could almost call it a new age. <laughs> Heat seeking panther, a new age. Um, I mean, the reality is just uh, what we got like super busy and like doing other stuff. And the, oh, there was like a pandemic for a bit um, that didn't stop us. And then I think we got, I don't know, burnt out or something. But um, it was I mean, nice to take uh, a break. We've always, we've always said that this is a marathon. Not a sprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you know, I mean, the, also <laughs> in the grand scheme was of five us. years or whatever, I feel like a couple months isn't that big a deal. But it does feel like we've been gone for much longer than it actually yeah. has been. I've missed this. Yeah, me too. I I feel like uh, we've probably evolved some in in the uh, in the interim and uh, learned to use new tools. Um, and uh, excited to see uh, where we are, and and what what a film to return with. That um, we're back, the Croods two. No, we're back, a dinosaur story. That's another thing. Um, the Croods two, a new age. Uh, the sequel to 2013's animated feature, The Croods. The Croods. Um, Which was a shit. surprising uh, success, I think, uh, not just theatrically as a film or as a franchise, but also in in our canon, in the heat-seeking Panther canon. We were right. both really expecting, after the stretch of animated kids' to, films to we have seen him in, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, you know, it would be something else and it surprised us it's heartwarming it's yeah. wholesome uh you know the animation is good it's the best animated film yeah he's done. i think yeah. so um it was annoying in a because it i wanted it to be worse um and uh and it, i mean it was it was better to watch um something that i mean astro boy like g-force like those movies were so atrocious that um the crudes was much easier to watch but i i wished at the time, we can't forget the ant bully. Please, that. justice for ant bully. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I did forget the ant bully. I, I feel you said ant bully, and I feel like I had an LSD flashback. <laughs> 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 like I just suddenly saw like uh, Jimmy Neutron, like essentially naked, being carried away by an ant wizard. <laughs> it's like fucked up. Um, but yeah, I, I think the <clears throat> in, in in the general scheme of the world, I think the Crudes was also a success. I mean, I don't know how to measure DreamWorks animation success, like. Because it's sort of on its own. It's not Pixar, and it will never be Pixar. And and it's, I don't know if it's made like, if DreamWorks has made an animated film that has surpassed Shrek in terms of like cultural cachet and staying power and money made. Yeah, um, well, uh, I don't know because I don't care. But I think I, How to Train know, Your Dragon is really popular. Oh, uh, yeah. But with a certain yeah, demographic, those were, those it doesn't big. have cross-generational appeal like Shrek does. 
Yeah, I mean, Shrek Shrek hits like this weird irony sweet point, and like the, the all the millennials and Zoomers who grew up online, like you know, are have more feelings towards it, complicated but uh, intense feelings about that franchise, I guess. Um, whereas How to Train Your Dragon, I think, is just. I mean, that was a pretty good film. All things, I mean, for what it was. I saw it for some reason. Um, I did a screening of it, and then I, I think I screened the sequel a couple times also. Anyway, yeah, it's good. So, yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, I guess Kung Fu Panda was, like, pretty big. People like that. So I, th- I feel like The Croods was, like, a moderate success, like, made its money back. Um, and, uh, you know, we watched it with Braverman and uh, all enjoyed it. And um, then at least I promptly forgot it. <laughs> I didn't remember a single fucking thing. I, I almost like, thought about rewatching it before this one. I just didn't have time, but uh-huh. anyway, we're, we're at the crudes too now. And, um, general impressions. What, what do how, how did this one leave you feeling? Dave, I'm sorry to say I was surprised as much by this one as I think or I, I was originally by the first one in terms of what I was expecting, my, my expectations. Uh-huh. The first one, I had horrible expectations, and it turned out to be pretty good. Sure. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, uh-huh. There was a lot there, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah. with this one, I was like, well, there's no way that they could replicate the success of the first one, uh, no matter how hard they tried. Uh-huh. And so I think that my expectations, because it was a sequel, were just that much lower. But let me tell you, I think uh, like uh, T2, like Aliens, like Empire Strikes Back, (laughs) I think that this is one of those times (laughs) where the sequel is better than the original. No way. Interesting. God, this is why I wish Braverman were here to do a tiebreaker, because I I felt like this was a, a bit of a step down but not a not a far step down i feel like yeah my my expectations for the first one were like incredibly low and then i it was like i would have given it like a b you know Mm. b maybe b minus but in in the it was sort of like inoffensive and like i was begrudgingly charmed by it (laughs) yeah and this one was like this one was like a c plus for me like in that it it went over my brain sort of just like a wet towel just sort of okay <laughs> it just yeah it it just sort of like you know it didn't it my there was nothing there's nothing really here to offer any resistance to watching it and just being like I, I I had I, I had nary a thought, you know, <laughs> I yes. sort of turned off. And that was sort of the that feels like sort of what it was aiming for. You know, no one's going to there's nothing in this that you haven't seen before somewhere, except maybe like some of the design ideas, like some of the visuals. Um, but in terms of like humor, storyline, dialogue, um, you know, the lessons learned, whatever, like everything is like well-trod territory, either by just like general kids movies or like DreamWorks specifically, like the kind of, there's a certain kind of humor, a, a thing will happen and then someone will have like a little quip to the, 
Oh shit! It stopped and then restarted. It's okay. No. Uh, yeah, no, you have the backup. Cool. Mine's recording. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, you know, there like some someone will say like ba ba ba, and then someone else da da da, and then you know, uh oh, like a big dinosaur will come out, and then someone will go. That's not good. You know, it was like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, I, um, I do think I noticed, the, the, the one thing I did notice is it did look a little bit cheaper. I, I think the inventiveness of the character and plant designs was still there, and I appreciated it. I think they even elevated it a little bit from the original. But I could yeah. see, especially in the quality of animation of all the humans more so, than anything else, mm-hmm. that there was a drop in quality, I think. Uh, so the yeah. budget for this one was yeah, I see that. less than the first one. By I, I don't know by I how much. I think the budget was like, I think it was like halved. Oh, I, wow. I was just looking it up. I, I think it was significantly less. Um, and given that, like, I say, yeah, the, my, my favorite part about it was the design. Like, th- this was the same as the first one in that, like, I, I think it's really fun and inspired that like they sort of their take on like prehistoric world is like fucking anything goes yeah. like you know like right. like it's cool it, i mean it's like sort sort of like mash mixing and matching up animals and everything is like fucking neon colored and um and i like the sort of the go for brokenness of that and and the attitude of sort of being like well maybe a spider wolf thing existed who knows you weren't there i wasn't there who knows like yeah. that's fun and like that makes uh, good use of the uh of animation you know, i i appreciate like an animated movie that like you're like well this had to have been animated because like it would have cost a bazillion dollars to to do it live and the CGI would have looked just as bad, except they would have had the green screen celebrities <laughs> instead of just doing the voices. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's actually better. We're better off right. this way. <laughs> I, I I don't love this style of animation over like 2D uh, like stuff, but like I it, this was like really well done, and like the character design was good. All all that stuff was good. I really liked the design of the. Uh, home that they go to yeah, the betterman's that home. was very cool and and there's all all these little like um flintstones-esque um gags you know contraptions yeah. <laughs> and and thing yeah yeah like i could that's some of my favorite caveman media right. stuff right <laughs> right like um i i like their like elevator i, I really liked when they're going into the um, the man cave and he has that the door is like pulling a palm tree in front of a waterfall to block oh yeah the, you know just little stuff like that that's just like really creative and cool um, so yeah that was neat um, but uh, yeah I guess let's get into it should we talk about the cast first I mean obviously Nicolas Cage is back yeah. They got um, all the same actors back, which is also kind of surprising, yeah. I guess. I, I don't know. I, I guess. You, you know what I think it was? This, they, they did this one remotely uh, after like, the, like COVID hit. All the voice recording was done remotely. And I think all the actors were like, I'll take a paycheck <laughs> for sure. <laughs> also, this, this sequel was like shelved 
for a long time too. And and then I think COVID was, they were like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it, they, uh, they had the original directors attached for a couple, a couple years. And then I think in 2017, they canceled the whole thing. And then they came back uh, about a year later with like a whole different script and a different director. And then it just kept getting pushed until the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think that, that was finally what got them to green light it. Cause it They're was like, fuck it. They, they just had it in the barrel ready to go. And then they, everyone right. just wanted to keep working, I guess. Uh, and, and I, and box office wise, the pandemic really helped it out too, because it <laughs> apparently it was the biggest opening weekend since like all the theaters closed. <laughs> Yeah. So like it broke yeah. it broke like a bunch of weird records because just because there's nothing else out yet. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you remember where you were uh, when uh, uh, the Croods to a New Age brought America back together with uh, <laughs> people said we can go to the movies again? <laughs> I don't know. Did, was it even in? Was it in theaters? Yeah. It or was. It, it was. It, it said it's a biggest opening, but I, it was like I think this was one of those ones that was in theaters and um, and streaming yeah. like um this was a, a new age for for that too <laughs> I, I keep using that like it's a funny joke still but yeah i i mean it's weird you know another really fucking weird thing i was looking this up and this is it's still in theaters it's still in an alamo draft house theater this is the first time that we're doing a film that's still <laughs> being shown theatrically somewhere that means something. We should go see it. We should go see a matinee. Be the only two people <laughs> no. in the theater. Just, we go and get COVID. Just, <laughs> just two bros. Just two banana bros just, go into the theater two, together. Two banana bros. <laughs> <laughs> that montage. I. Uh, yeah. That montage <laughs> killed me. Uh, it was fun. Let's talk about the voice acting. Yeah. Um. I I made like I made a little uh a ranking because I, th so I, I've probably ranted about this before. Is one of my like, um. I've, I this hit a couple of little pet peeves of mine. The classic pet peeves. One of them is that uh, voiceover acting is as it was we, uh, as a profession is when we were growing up is like basically dead. In thanks to DreamWorks mostly yeah. because it like um, th there are, are way fewer actors who specialize in it. It's now all celebrities because it turns out in terms of box office, I think it pulls in more people, or at least it did does for it? a while. I don't I know if it's don't still. Know I I if think it, it does did anymore. Anyway, I think it did with like Shrek. I think Shrek was the first because it was a novelty or, still. I'm, I'm, well, I mean like. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, Robin Williams was in, like, Aladdin and stuff like that. But Shrek, it was, like, oh, Eddie Murphy, um, Gwyneth Paltrow, like, stuff. And and now, like, pretty much every single um, animated feature that comes out is uh, full of actors who became famous um, acting with their faces and bodies and stuff. And besides just the fact that, like, I think voiceover acting is a cool profession and there's an, and a, a separate talent pool like i i think it takes it it's adjacent obviously but it's its own talent thing and it bothers me that like that uh, those folks get have gotten pushed out so much but also like a lot of actors just are not as good like 
and I, I in this movie there were some some that I thought were definitely better than others. Um, the top of my ranking, actually, the, the very top, surprisingly, Kelly Marie Tran as Dawn Betterman. Fucking, she um, did a really good job. I, she was great. She could be a really good voiceover actress because she was like, she can just sell it and is so emotive with uh, her voice. Is just like, I don't know. It, it's like almost like a physical. Feels like a there's like a physicality to the way that she was doing it and like just got I don't know she sounded like a natural I didn't know who she was looking her up but she's in those the Star Wars sequels um famously got bullied um, out of the franchise right right I I don't know I don't know if Uh, I'll leave that in because I don't want to necessarily bring attention to it but that is (laughs) I mean it's just I mean it is that I guess like I leave it in just because it's like that sucks honestly like that shouldn't be where her career like what she's known for like she should be a voiceover actress at least like she should do give give her more work she's cool um also thought emma stone you know yeah i think she's really good at voiceover acting i i like her too period just think she's charming and number three on my list Nicolas cage yeah i think this was his best voiceover performance I mean, because I apply the same criticism to him, like yeah. him and like fucking, I don't know, G-Force or Astro Boy or whatever. Like it's he's there as the name and his performance is not necessarily like it's not memorable really totally, at all. Right. But right. Um, and even in the in the first Crudes movie, it's like it felt a little bit like that could have been anybody like and part of that is maybe what they were giving him to work with, like. Um, you know, he, he, not a, it's not a wacky character um, in, by any means. I mean, well, I, maybe if you find like part of being I, overprotective funny, which I don't really. Yeah, I mean, part of what I liked about this one more than the first one is just that that I feel like more of Cage's Cageisms came through in the yeah. performance. I don't know what it was. If he yeah. was just having a, a blast doing like doing it again, and he was really into it. Or if they purposely kind of directed it that way as a reaction to maybe, you know, what they got in the first one. But it seemed like the the, the character almost seemed like cagier than than in the first movie. Definitely. I I mean, Dollars to Donuts, like the first one, they just already had the story, maybe even the screenplay before getting people attached. And this time, obviously, that it was the other way around. So they knew that it would be him playing that character, just like they knew it would be Emma Stone playing Eep. And those characters were developed a little bit. Well, I watched a little bit of a like behind the scenes thing, which is like footage of all the actors, uh, in their homes, in <laughs> their homes. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess like cage would like get into the physicality of it and walk around like a caveman and making caveman noises and stuff, of which course. is, you know, is like, not even that's not even a weird that's like probably what you should do yeah he's he's good in this one he's like a, a lot of he's given like funnier stuff to do and like he just was embodying the character more i thought all right that's my top three my uh mid-tier ryan reynolds like also and also maybe not really given almost anything fun to do like his character is sort of a drip in this um but you know he's like fine 
Um, whereas, and I think he's really talented and could be like, I think has done good voiceover acting. Like he's, he's good, but uh, he was good in detective Pikachu. Was he? Yeah, he was Pikachu. <laughs> I, I believe it. He is Pikachu. He's my Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> also like half of Deadpool is voice acting. Cause he's just wearing a mask. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Of, totally. And he's so good in that. And Clark Duke also like not really given like that character sort of got one gag through this whole movie that just kept repeating, um, which is that he's like addicted to screens, but in caveman times it's like a window or a square made out of bamboo. Just like, uh, you know, okay. But, um, you know, he was fine. And then honestly, like Peter Dinklage and, um, what was the Leslie Mann? I was sort of like, I wasn't feeling them as much. And then as the story got on and their characters got wackier, like they kind of, they kind of elevated for me. Um, I mean, hearing Peter Dinklage's voice was weird because he's so, he's got such a great voice and his like delivery is so unique and bizarre that. I feel like it didn't come through though in this movie. Yeah. It's something, something about it like didn't work and I don't know what it was because it, I, I, I really don't know because he's doing fun stuff and he would like he did some lines that I also LOL'd and I laughed out loud. He's he's he can do humor really well. And like, yeah, I don't know. Kind of whatever. Um, and Leslie Mann, same. I was sort of like, eh, eh. but she she's like fine. They're fine. Um, uh, Catherine Keener as Ugga, the, the mom. Very generic. I thought did really yeah like i didn't realize it was her i i had forgotten who did who did that character's voice since i'd watched the first one and i uh was surprised when i saw her name in the credits because i was like i thought that i would have recognized her same yeah she didn't sound like i I, yeah i didn't recognize her but also just i was like damn like because she's a good actress but like um anyway that's that's my rundown of that um and and that's why yeah. you shouldn't hire celebrities to do voiceovers. No, because hire some fucking weird looking. <laughs> hire like Tom Kenny, like you know, like hire someone who I I, I don't want to picture their face. Actually, like that that's the last thing I want to be doing when I'm watching an animated thing. I want to fully believe. Crude's three should be entirely voiced by uh, Frank Welker. <laughs> <laughs> should be entirely voiced by AI. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, uh, do, do you uh, do you contest that list? How, how do you feel? To, no, that's that, that sound right to you. Yeah, I I would say probably I'd go Cage, Kelly Marie Tran, Emma Stone, and then mm. the okay the rest of them basically are all kind of sure. Yeah, one note to me it's whatever. Uh, they you know they delivered yep. the jokes like i don't think anyone was phoning it in i think they were all like yeah, trying no one to dropped good, the ball but it, it just you know these kind of things are hit yeah. or miss sometimes so all right well let's get into the story We're, when we last left the crudes as neither you nor i remember um they were they had I, what cage's character had learned to trust that he didn't have to be as like overprotective and trust his daughter to like 
do things for herself. And she had met Ryan Reynolds' character named Guy, who discovered fire. Um, yeah, he, he right. And he's an outsider, and they learned to like get get along, and um, and and they were going towards tomorrow, uh, which was a place um, that Guy remembered being in. And in this one, they get there, and um, it turns out that tomorrow is a walled garden, uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> um, is the homestead of a different family named the Bettermans, um, Peter Dinklage, uh, Leslie Mann, and their daughter, Kelly Marie Tran. And they... Uh, I guess are not Neanderthals. Like they've uh, are, they might be homo sapiens. I don't know. They don't actually get into that, but they're, they look like just humans, I guess. Then we get a classic culture clash, you know, slobs versus snobs story of the, the crudes trying to fit in and, uh, everybody coming at it with their own little prejudices and, uh, and they sort of learn to compromise and meet in the middle and appreciate uh, where the other ones are coming from. And like I said, there's nothing in here that you haven't seen a million times unless you're four years old. Yeah, there's there's conflict. Like the Bettermans are trying to break up uh, Eep and Guy so that that their daughter right. can be with him. Uh, yeah, he's a hot commodity. as yeah. like the only there's other... <laughs> <laughs> There's apparently not many other uh, men around in this time. <laughs> the only other dick around. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think the grandma had it right with her uh, with her thunder sisters, uh, like weird, like yeah. Amazonian all female <laughs> society. <laughs> I think if this shit were accurate, um, they everyone would just be fucking each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not not here advocating incest or something, but I'm just just saying if um, oh oh Dave, I see uh, you've it, also it, watched the Crudes Triple X uh, parody. <laughs> That's the Crudes Three. <laughs> well, Miles, I said that we've evolved and changed over the few months, and I uh, an, an an issue an issue that's uh, really close to my heart now is uh, incest rights, <laughs> taking up the banner and using the show as the flagship uh, yeah. to, to spread the word. You know, like I I don't well, you don't mind, do you? Anyway, so yeah, they meet and they're um, you know the slobs and the snobs and the like. There's what what do you say? Um, yeah, I didn't I, know if I, there I was think it's be... very much a movie about like it's it's like a class stro- It's like a movie about class disparity mm-hmm. in in a in mm-hmm. a way, and also about um, ecology and uh, humans' yes. responsibility to take care of nature and the planet. Yeah, I mean, effectively, until like the last third. Um, I say that Peter Dinklage's character, uh, what's his, Mr. Betterman, Phil, Phil, um, he, uh, he's kind of the villain, like in terms, and this, I was watching it with Lex and we paused it for a second and she, she was like, am I crazy or is he? And I was like, 
Yeah, he's a gay Jew. Like, (laughs) 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 he 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 looks like like an anti-Semitic cartoon kind of. I mean, he has like a Roman nose and like a beard, and then but he's also he also has a man bun and uh like wears some sort of it's almost like yoga like (laughs) yoga wear he looks like a new age like ohai guy or like a a topanga guy um and i i think that part of what they were trying to do is like you know we they're, they're sort of using like the simpsons prototype of like the the family of slobs who is like happy together until they get into like a like early Simpsons, you know, that right. there's a lot of class stuff and it's like that them versus been in this, you know, and they're like middle American kind of the, the just, you know, they, they sleep in a pile folks. They, right. they fart and they belch and they ride on a big saber tooth tiger. And, um, there, there's like this like I, coded sort of like, you know, West Coast or like coastal elite kind of thing. Yeah, with you're the, right. The Bettermans. I felt that too. It's like the like the Bettermans are are the family that drives the Tesla. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's fully, that sort exactly. of vibe. They they're they yeah. eat uh they eat you know raw or whatever. They're like vegans <laughs> and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it's a, it's a little weird, but like that character comes around and like they, you know, they get together because a, a larger, um, I guess, sort of villain becomes a part of the story. An outside uh, force they have to team up against. Um, but yeah, like it, it, I wasn't sure exactly what they were doing with that. And it was a little like, okay. But, and then it tur- took like an ecological turn, which then it's almost like, so is this a criticism of the way that we live? Yeah, is this like an eco thing? Because that's kind of cool. It's almost like uh, like like West Coast like liberal elites that think they're doing good things uh, yeah. for the environment are. Yeah, and they're so right, smug. They're so smug about they're it. So smug they're actually wrong, and they're uh-huh. actually you know doing just as much damage, and and yeah. they shouldn't. And they shouldn't, they're hypocrites, basically. <laughs> yeah, which, which is 100% true. Yeah, <laughs> so, but, but it's just, cool. it, it is weird the way they kind of like left turned into that uh, right. storyline and in order to like drive that point. What I thought they, like, it's, it's just weird for a kid's movie because I don't think kids would pick up on that kind of social right. dichotomy. Well, well, and, and th- I think the the thing that makes it so weird is that, like, the like I didn't mind that the story was going there. Like, I thought that that was more interesting than the the family uh, learning to get along thing, which I've seen a trillion times. But like, um, what made it weirder was that then they the families had to get along and and work together and become friends. And I think that. At least with like Phil and Grug or whatever his name is, um, th- that felt like a little unearned because they, <laughs> you don't get a single moment with Phil 
up until that point where he's like anything less than insufferable. Like he just yeah, sucks totally. all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the mom, I forget her name, Leslie Mann's character. Um, she gets a nicer kind of arc into becoming like you, you kind of see her coming off of her high horse and, and she has to learn to, to uh, get along. And I, I bought it more turning into bog water, et cetera. But, uh, but having Phil and, and Grug become banana bros was like, I was like, that just felt like we're d- doing this now. And like, right. uh, it felt unearned, but also like, who gives a shit? <laughs> it's a kid's movie, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but y- you know, you touched on, um, my bigger pet peeve. I'll get both of them out of the way now. Um, and this is just in general with kids movies. I also might've mentioned this before on the show. Um, so many kids movies that are, you know, they're for, or I guess they're family movies are, um, almost exclusively about like adult, uh, neuroses. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it, it, it it's just, I really fucking bothers me. I think I read some, uh, I think Nathan Rabin in the AV club pointed that out once. And I uh, was like, Holy shit. Thinking about like liar, liar and movies like that, where like, you know, it's all just about like, <laughs> like hook. It's like about becoming like a good dad. And I was like, why the fuck was I watching a movie about a man having a midlife crisis? Like what the fuck? Like, and you know, similarly, it's just like, like why is Grug the main character kind of by default? Like, you know, I mean, uh, Emma Stone is like the other or her Eep and her thing with Guy, but even that's like a teenager, like young, like early 20s kind of thing. Um, the thing that I actually whereas, liked about it was that I, th- and I wish they had focused more on this relationship or these these relationships as more of the the movie and made the the characters a little more central is first of all, the friendship between Dawn and Eep. I thought yeah. was really cute. Yeah. Cause you thought it was going to be a love triangle a situation. And instead they were yeah. just really happy to have another like friend, like another girl that was their age that they could be a friend, like friends with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, also I, I liked when, the the group of you know like the mom and the and the and the grandma and like yes. the the two daughters were all together and their their whole um, mm-hmm. dynamic was really cool the, yeah, yeah. That, I agree I wish they had spent more time with that same I mean p- part of the yeah I I I think that the decision to not do a female rivalry and to have it be just be like a friendship was like probably the most interesting thing that the movie did in terms of like at least subverting expectations and not leaning into a cliche like that was and it, it was refreshing actually to see that and had just not even have have the rivalry part be all of with uh, attached to the older people yeah um the the parents are trying to break them up so they can put them together but like the kids like yeah the kids are are never because they're like whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just want to be friends like yeah <laughs> friends and and yeah the, the i think the the part where they i mean i also i kind of not to just be like it should be gayer but like i think that the the most uh like Kelly Marie Tran and Emma Stone have like way more chemistry than either of them with Ryan Reynolds, or at least their, their characters. Like fair enough. I mean that yeah. 
whether it, it it doesn't need to be a romantic relationship, but like that was the the relationship in the whole movie that I believed the most and um, that had the most chemistry to me. And yeah, like I'll second what you were saying about like the the part where all the female characters are separated from the male characters and they do their Thunder Sisters thing and they get their like new uh, names and they go to like rescue the the other characters like that was uh, probably the strongest part of the movie it, as far as I was concerned and also I mean I enjoyed like just from a critical outside perspective like kind of like just uh, I, you know a lot of modern kids movies will try to um, sort of take a more progressive slant on inclusion and such and such. Um, and, but they'll often sort of like put a sort of like a red underline under it. Like you're always, it, it, it often feels to me like it's like, do you see what we're doing? This character is black. See? Um, and this was like a, a thing where like all the women were going to rescue the men, but it was never like it. I, I didn't feel like the, the, that, the gender thing was ever like highlighted. I mean, they're, they're talking about Thunder Sisters, like the grandma had an Amazonian tribe or whatever, but it's not, there's not this thing of like, whoa, we flipped it. Girls can be strong, girl power. It was just like. Yeah, their, their family members are in trouble and they're going to rescue them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, and that, that felt like actually progressive and, and interesting. And I, I, I enjoyed it. And, um, and yeah, the, um, the interpersonal dynamics of those characters, I think especially because you didn't have that like romantic rivalry in there, like sucking up air, like was more interesting and fun. Like the, you know, I, I wasn't like it, Leslie Mann and Catherine Keener's kind of class snob kind of thing her and Kat, uh, Leslie Mann learning to like, I don't know, sleep in a pile with them or whatever, whatever. Like it just, it resonated, it felt more subtle and interesting and like sweeter than um, the, the Peter Dinklage versus Nicolas Cage kind of like, um, you know, shit. Yeah, that, that was my take on it at least. And I, I really liked the sequence where they like got their names and then like rode into battle and got like... <laughs> yeah, they, they had like, like war paint on uh, and they were, and they were like, yeah, flying yeah. into battle. Yeah, it was cool. It was cute. Yeah, and I guess we'll say, if you haven't seen the film, the, the thing that unites the families, the outside threat, I thought that I, for a minute, I thought they were like building up to some sort of like Garden of Eden thing because there was like they're in this walled garden and there's one fruit that they can't eat. And I was like, oh, boy, that would be really weird <laughs> to do. But like, sure. But um, but no, they can't they can't eat the bananas because Phil has been feeding bananas to an outside uh monster that um comes every night has been hide hiding yeah yeah comes every night he's been hiding this from his family and uh and so but then it's revealed that the monster is actually a bunch of mon monkeys called punch monkeys um the gag being that i did i liked that ryan reynolds character knows how to speak punch monkey and you just go and <laughs> <laughs> you can get slapped around. Yeah, that was that <laughs> gag he, was like, very trans funny. The, 
the gag of like everybody when they're trying to communicate with the monkeys, just getting the shit kicked out of them, <laughs> but also having to translate for each other. Like it was pretty funny. And then the story kind of revealed like, it's like, oh, but they're not the bad guys either. Like Phil isn't the bad guy. The punch monkeys are the bad guys. Wait, but they're not the bad guys because actually Phil redirected water from their mountain habitat into his garden and uh, fucked up their habitat. So Phil's kind of the bad guy, but also just a doofus. But actually there's a bigger bad guy, which is a giant Baboon. baboon. I thought I thought they were going for like a King spines. Kong situation, but it turned out to be a giant baboon instead of a gorilla. A baboon with porcupine. Yeah, spines. it was cool. That that, uh, that, cre- that monster yeah, design. Was, was cool. Was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and so the the punch monkeys couldn't grow any more bananas, and they were giving the bananas to, to the porcupine baboon that was coming at night. To it's, take to demand the bananas, so that that was a cool it, twist. It's I like thought. organized crime. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like it trickles up. It's like they, they, yeah, yeah. They have to pay up to the <laughs> fucking baboon monster, um, and then it's narratively like uh, easier because there is a thing that we can sort of. I mean, the, it doesn't speak any language, and uh, we can defeat it without. Uh, you know, worrying about good or bad, just have to, we have to kill it. And, uh, all the characters come together to, um, put the baboon, send it falling down a big hole where it presumably dies. And, uh, then the punch monkeys forget Chekhov's toe peanut. <laughs> Cause she, she mentions, she, you know, she mentions earlier in the movie, yeah. she's like, and this toe is fake. It's just a peanut. Or, it's or a like whatever, shell, yeah. and then uh, and then that's what does the baboon in. It's hanging onto her toe, and then the peanut just <laughs> breaks off, slides out. I don't know how it's connected yeah, yeah, to her foot, falls, falls away. but the fake toe comes yeah, off and it falls to its death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, this movie did a good job. There was some things it did that were like um, it, often, you know, if, in a more. I guess I say like i don't know family guy style uh uh you know just like pure like wackiness like of of introducing a gag like that because it's a total like feels like a throwaway where she's like actually my this they're comparing scars and she's like my toe is a peanut shell it's like that's crazy similarly like the grandma reveals in the middle of this like you know a scene where uh, you know, it's gag after gag that her hair is actually a wig that's like a flying squirrel dog thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thing. Um, but this movie did a good job of like taking those things and turning them into plot devices like that, yeah. which you don't see um, a lot. Like it actually, like it, it, I wasn't expecting either the toe peanut or the wig dog thing to pay off in any sort of narrative sense, and they both did. Lex actually pointed out another thing that was like um, uh, the humor wasn't applying like it wasn't doing like the rule of threes a lot, which, you know, is typically like, you know, this thing and then that thing. And then this thing is like the the joke, but it it would do it in fours or like even just keep going, which felt very like DreamWorks to me in the sort of like it's like, you know, here's the thing. Here's another thing. Now, here's the punchline. Wait, here's another punchline that ups that. And then here's a crazier one. It's just like right. um, building and building and building. So the kind, you know, and it's not good or bad, but it's just sort of, it's just 
more. And in extra. that way, I felt like this movie, more so than the first one, was there were a little too many montages. I think it was. I think yeah. it was pretty montage heavy. Uh, they could have. For they sure. definitely could have condensed that uh, and spread it out. It, it had sequelitis. Ways. It had a lot of, uh, you know, that's a typical sequel thing. Like it's thinner in a lot of ways, but you know, like I, I know, I, I know what you mean about it being like, I know why you liked this one a little bit more because even though it's like, it, it, it's shallower, it's also kind of like breezier. Like it's easier to watch kind of like it, it asks less from you. And kind of, like I said, it just sort of, slides over you and um, it's always and, it's always um, visually interesting which let's not yes, forget is yeah. the number one purpose of animation this is the main point yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, all i had to say about sort of big picture shit um did, did i miss anything no that's pretty much it i mean i feel like that covers a lot of what i wanted to say you know again this movie isn't too deep um yeah but i do want to just I, point out a couple things that i liked um that Please. we didn't talk about. Oh, yeah. So, like I was saying before, that this was done, um, this was largely a pandemic movie. And it said that, uh, like the voices, a lot of the animation was done at, like, the crew's houses. And I just think that that's funny. Whoa. That's kind of cool. Like, that I, I, I just imagine the, these animators in, like, rooms in the room with like a giant rendering rig or whatever, trying to, you know, God. like the, the baby's crying, like, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like weird. work it, from home, but animating uh, a whole theatrical film. It is interesting to think that like someone's quarantine story, like their, their pandemic story was like, <laughs> they, I they had to render too. fucking, <laughs> yeah, I had to. I, I was in charge of uh, rendering the body hair on uh, Grug. <laughs> my, you know, my girlfriend and I were at a, the lowest point in our life, um, and uh, yeah, I just I had to be rendering Grug's loincloth. <laughs> oh, someone out there that was that's real. Much like the first Crudes, this one was also nominated for. Uh, Best animated feature at the Golden Globes, uh, but uh, didn't win. Not the Oscars, though. No. No Oscar noms. No noms. And uh, Mark Mothersbaugh did the music. I noticed that, <laughs> which um, surprised me. <laughs> sure. I, I, yeah. I didn't hear it during the movie, but so that's why I was surprised. No. I, I actually, right before we got on the call, I was like looking up his filmography to be because I know he's done. There are things that he's done where I was like, "Ooh, yeah, that sounds like him." And then I know he's done a lot of TV and stuff where it sounds sort of just like workmanlike. And yeah, this was—I'm sure similarly he was like, "Oh, good, I, I have a job to do in the pandemic." Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, let's see what else. Um, besides his music, like there were a few needle drops. Um, they were really fucking basic. Um, which is fine. I don't need to hate on it too much. It's just like, um, you know, <laughs> that the the needle drops weren't obscure enough in the fucking <laughs> crudes too. But you know, but the, I think I love you. So what am I so afraid oh, yeah. of? It's like, and then you the know, it's almost like, like ooh, we need it. 
I know. Yeah, it's those two. Yeah. It's like, oh, we need a love song. Uh, love. I think I lo- love. Yeah, okay, we got that. Uh, we need a song that's kind of like romance, romance. Like it's a little bit gay, but not too gay. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, right. What's that song called? It's like um, the... Oh, I don't know. What is that band? It's not Kaja Goo Goo. It's, it's, it's one of those new wave one-hit wonders. Anyway, you know, it, that all felt kind of like obvious, but uh, whatever. Who, who am I? Phil Betterman? Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, Dave, who knows? Maybe uh, the producers are listening to this podcast and they're taking these into account for Crudes 3. You never know. If if quarantine was still happening, they, there's like a way better chance that they would be. They, <laughs> well, let's hope. Uh, probably doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope we lock down again. <laughs> well, maybe maybe Monkey Pox will bring us Crudes Three. <laughs> yeah, as long as well as the. Uh, my incest advocacy i'm here to uh to to speak out uh, that i i want monkeypox to lock down civilization again i'm brave enough to say it here on mic um let's go heat seeking panther open sores on everybody yeah (laughs) yeah we're pro (laughs) proudly in support of monkeypox (laughs) um Okay, this movie was <laughs> directed by Joel Crawford. This was his first feature. Um, he was in art department with uh, for like Kung Fu Panda and a bunch of other DreamWorks shit. Um, screenplay was written by four different guys. All of them are in the this DreamWorks factory. Seems like they you know they've got a group of folks that they pull from. Um, yeah, it's Kung Fu Panda. They all those Lego Ninjago movies, <laughs> which I, I know I know nothing about, but they seem like incredibly popular. They make a lot children. of them, whatever they are. Yeah, you could. I would never have guessed as a kid that they were going to be making Lego cinema, much less like ninja. I mean, Lego they have cinema, they have but... Star Wars Lego movies. They have Batman Lego movies. They have uh, it's like it's crazy. Oh, they make so, so many weird, Lego because we have <laughs> we have mo- those movies with normal looking people. Like, what's the benefit of them looking like Legos? Like, what does that add to a, a movie? It's ugly, and the point of Legos is that you can p- put them up p- together and take them apart and shit. Like, what? Why would why would I want Lego Batman if I could have normal Batman? I mean, what, what, I mean, look. Is that my is is that my age uh, showing? Look at look at where <laughs> having normal Batman got us, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, that's a really good counter argument. Heat seeking Panther. We are yeah, okay, pro monkey pox yeah, and anti Lego movies. <laughs> No, except for Lego Batman. We're pro Lego Batman now. Okay. Zach Zack Snyder directs uh directs uh, the new Lego Batman <laughs> movie. Oh he just makes those like hella dark Dude. and depressing. The, yeah, the uh, <laughs> the Zack Snyder Lego Ninjago live action. Yo, okay, if we're serious about this like if Lego cinema is going to become a thing, that is the next step. Live action Lego like Let's have fucking um, 
uh, what's his face from Chris Pratt. Let's like him and give him the prosthetics so he looks like a giant Lego man, and uh, you know he can be like Indiana Jones or some shit. Yeah, live action Lego movies. Live action, but but with like prosthetics like Dick Tracy or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. <laughs> Nightmare <laughs> inducing. <laughs> Are are you listening, Hollywood? <laughs> you, your favorite it. podcast is back. Yeah, um. <laughs> we're taking no prisoners in this new age. New age. <laughs> it's a golden age. Um, two of the guys who wrote the screenplay are responsible for uh, the live-action "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark" feature that came out in like 2019, and um, to those two men, I do want to say on behalf of the show and myself fuck you that movie is awful and i understand that art is subjective and it's for children and shouldn't matter i shouldn't have any emotional attachment to it but um that movie made me fucking mad that um i'm also i saw it in um what's that theater like downtown downtown like um it's like by the stadium. Uh, it's like Staples? Regal Megaplex something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the like one that. like in LA Live. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I went to see it there. And uh, with like probably like 15 minutes to go in the movie, someone started uh, huffing spray paint out of a bag. <laughs> 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 the, whole, the whole theater, you just hear... And then you just stinks in there. That didn't help the viewing experience. It felt kind of like fitting, but um, that sounds like a scary story to me. Yeah, that was scarier than the movie for sure, and a reflection of like what kind of cinema we're talking about. Like someone's like 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 the kind of movie that you're you're not smoking weed. You didn't take an edible. Like you're doing inhalants. You're doing you're like we're like you're killing brain cells. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because your brain is upset <laughs> like it you're thinking too much and the only way that you're it's like a survival technique your brain is like kill me <laughs> you have to turn into one of those guys from uh fury road <laughs> uh anyway fuck you to both of you whoever whatever your names are um that you should have let uh what guillermo del toro do it um you know that shit was was bad um you suck <laughs> i hope you're listening yeah yeah <laughs> listening you shit piece of shit uh, you call yourself a writer um all right with, with that said is there any other little bits i don't think i have any anymore i don't think so either yeah okay i give it a c plus I know we don't do grades usually, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't come in, up with a grade, was I supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. Uh, I guess yeah. I'll give no, it a... It just, I'll give it a B plus. How about that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. The original yeah. was a B, sure. so I'll give this one a B plus. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. I wish I wish Braverman were here because I, I'm really curious if she liked this one more. Yeah. Um, I f- feel like she... Probably she, she, she did. Could, yeah, just just judging from and, the yeah. from the conversation I had with her, and knowing her taste, you know, you 
you, you, you've won me over a little bit. I, my notes say things like, this shit sucks. I fucking hate this. Um, but in retrospect, I didn't really. And it only kind of sucks. Here's, here's the thing with these movies, Dave, is we as <laughs> full-grown adult men with no children... <laughs> Are, we are not the target yes. audience. So I don't think that, you know, like we... That is a fact. We would, no matter how much we enjoyed the experience watching it for the podcast, we would never choose to watch this movie otherwise. Yeah, so it's, a, it's you, not, you it's can't, literally you, not Yeah, for you us. can't grade it as, a, as a, any kind of cinematic thing sure. that you can relate to. For me, as an, a grown adult man, and speaking to as the type of, child I was I um I would have got more out of this if it were better or worse like you know I I <laughs> do you think it was just like too cinematic do you think it was just too like middle ground I mean it this is like a larger sort of feeling that I have about just culture in general uh like movies and TV and stuff is that like everything is the the quality of the bad stuff has generally gone up. Like mm -hmm. there's less just like outright disasters. Like people fucking forget the kids today, these kids today, they don't know that like in the nineties TV, like nobody in the industry had any respect for TV. Like there was no, like it was a gutter entertainment and it was treated as such. Like TV talked down to you constantly and it was just slop. But like, there, <laughs> there's almost like, uh, it it's almost like more interesting and and weird in that way because like, it wasn't seen as valuable IP or like you know no just no one took it seriously so right, um, right. it was it was worse but kind of more interesting, and uh, in general everything is is much more competently made now but the general like competency. It it, it feels a little bit like uh, a, a product of uh, a, a, an industrial product to me. Even right. though obviously, like TV always has been that, but it just it's it's more anonymous because it sucks less. And like I said, everything in this movie has been like is pretty much a cliche at this point. But it doesn't matter, both because it's aimed for children and just because it's like you know, it's well shop worn things that are gags and I themes and whatever, because they're sure. classic. And so you, it, it's not trying to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. It's just like, you know, it just is a thing that you put on and you don't hate it. <laughs> and your kids shut the fuck up and watch it. And it teaches them to importance of family. Yeah, yeah, right. Working together. And not ruining a monkey's ecosystem by diverting their mountain yes. stream water. Right. There there was this theme about like individuality versus community that they kept kind of touching on, but I don't really know where they landed with it. I mean, it's like it's like family and community is good cuz they all end up together, but then also Eep and uh Guy at the end of the movie go like separate to start their own tribe, which, um, you know, it, it, I, I don't think that's how, or that's a very like modern, um, sort of idea of like the nuclear family, you know? Yeah. That you have your house and then you go and, and your family goes to another house. Like you would, there's no fucking reason why they would do that. 
But. They were already in a literal paradise. Like, why would they go anywhere else? Yes, where <laughs> are they going to go? I mean, I get it that they want to get away from these people in to some respect, but also like, yeah, what, they're they're in. They have infinite food. In I I don't know. And yeah, whatever. Um, so that that felt like we're modern. Like I kept thinking about. Um, I kept thinking about the Flintstones. And how the Flintstones is like an interesting reflection of 50s America. Um, it, it's Dave, like I'm really uh, sorry to interrupt, and... but you just looked, you looked so <laughs> somber. You were just like, I've been thinking a lot about the Flintstones. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was having like a Jordan Peterson moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. Like the Flintstones were like a commentary on like 50s America. Yeah. And just a reflection on values and, and just the way that, you know, it, it's not it, it's sort of examining those things, but also just, you know, celebrating the way that we that like modernity. It's a celebration of, of the modern family unit, even. Uh, and the, the joke is that it's uh, God, what's the word compared to the this, the, you know, it's made into Neanderthal shit. Um, and this similarly, like this felt like a very modern the the family the way that the families interact and and speak to each other and and the sort of I don't know yeah their values and what they're the things that they are struggling with these things of class and ecology and whatever are also felt modern not in a way that's particularly like the text is interesting necessarily sure. but just as i was i was imagining this as an artifact in the same way as like you know 50 years from now if we're all still here and um somebody watching this i think would be very much like oh yeah this is this is what it was like in uh the 2020 like yeah. this is kind of people were talking to each other and thinking about stuff um for better and for worse on that like uh too thought out note. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the crudes to a new age. What's next? What are we watching next? Willie's Wonderland. Oh shit, that's gonna be probably bad, but fun. It'll. I think it'll. I yeah, can't it'll believe be how close we are. I know, we're very close. That's nuts. Any parting thoughts? Any last words? No, I mean, I don't know, Dave. I'm just. Uh, I'm glad that even after the break, our pack stayed together. You know. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Man, if only we had someone to do a saber-toothed tiger roar. <laughs> do you want to each do one? Yeah, sure. You you go right, first. I'll go. I'll go first. Pretty good. Okay, yeah. here's mine. I don't. I don't know. I, there was a bit of like <laughs> thing. At the well, end I, I think you have to take into account the f- giant fangs. The, the yeah, tusks. De- yeah, the tusks yeah. definitely. Yeah. All right, here, let me try this. How was that? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that was crazy. You know, I've never heard an animal from our time period sound like that. Yeah. It's just crazy. All right. right. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.